नमस्ते शोबिंदो एज डिस्क्राइब दिस पाथ ऑफ एन एज ए वास्ट सी वेयर समटाइम्स यू हैव ए स्मूथ सेल समाइम देर इज रफ पाथ इट्स लाइक लाइफ दिस योगा इज ऑर्गेनिकली डेवलप्स लाइक लाइफ दैट्स वाई इट्स लाइक एन एडवेंचर इट्स नॉट ए योगा विच इन द मिलिट्री लैंग्वेज दिस इज सिखाए हुए तरीके से in fact in real life also you let's say in military you are trained to shoot the gun you are trained for everything but what you are not trained and you can never be trained is for the unexpected and life always you know hits us with the unexpected but behind that hit is the same truth it is leading us forward so as they say one who is prepared for the unexpected is truly prepared <laughs> so that is not something you can train yourself outwardly but something you can train yourself inwardly so in this yoga which is not like a swimming pool yoga where you start from one year you know often people say you have this experience this experience this experience like this and you have the ultimate experience in this yoga you go through many like in the vedic age they say from hill to hill so you climb one hill then you can't leap you know you come down then you climb another hill then you come down you climb another hill so it's like that so there are periods when your yoga is going very beautifully everything is wonderful and then there are periods when everything is obscured and in the vedic rishis they were called as the night and the dawns successive dawns sometimes the nights were very long so vedic rishis speak about it long exiles from the light and uh, then you reach a point where you say the night and day both suckle the divine child that's this is the language of the vedas so you have to go through it why because we are not made of one piece there are parts within us which cannot constantly be in contact with the divine and uh, in a yoga of withdrawal it is okay because you know you don't then bother about all these things you are only withdrawn into the divine and you don't worry about the world either somebody takes care or you don't care about it like some sanyasis do or else you divide your life <clears throat> so there are activities which are related to god which means you spend some time in meditation puja whatever and outside life either it will run with a sattvic rectitude means don't do bad don't do you know be a virtuous man a good human being or by certain religious activities you will find in certain mathas and you know ashramas where outside activities you have activities but where like you preach then you have some yagya and things like that so shankaracharya interprets uh, you know kurvan neve karmani that you you must do karma so he says karma means religious karmas it's not it's his own interpretation the <laughs> smart interpretation because you know mayavad you have to interpret like that so what karma you will be engaged in you will be engaged in religious karma and the time will come when the bondage is cut and you are out but here it is in the language of the gita sarv karmani so the problem there is that not every part sarv karmani means engaging different parts of nature so these parts uh, not all are ready so when something central even after it has opened beautifully then there is a veiling now the mother speaks of it sharbindu speak about it and explain this phenomena and sometimes when you have been in a great aspiration you feel ki it is just right there suddenly something happens maybe some physical incidents it's not necessary that it should be only in a and suddenly you see that everything is thrown off gear 
and sometimes it is the reverse also happen when you are not in you know outwardly a very good state yet you are receiving things and the mother explains it it's like you know you have aspired there has been period when you have aspired but you haven't really received anything um sometime because of the stress of aspiration you are not able to receive because stress of aspiration means there is a narrowing whereas receptivity means wideness and then after that stress of aspiration is gone because you know life has come about suddenly answer comes and you receive it so yoga is not like a straight line that's why the mother says that the straight line is not the shortest point between two points it's not the shortest you have to go not i'm not talking of the diagram which is a different thing that is a different thing that you go into the mazes of the world but in yoga these ups downs like a wave it's a wave like movement when she is speaking of that she is speaking of the wave like movement because you have to reclaim not only the heights actually heights are already reclaimed <laughs> if you it is the heights and the abysses both have to be reclaimed in the yoga and uh, this is what we'll read today some of her prayers which you know reveal this truth and uh, this 1914 april meaning thereby this is already before she has met shurabindo she was an adept in the buddhist yoga she had the complete experience of the kundalini yoga beyond what is traditionally experienced in kundalini instead of seven bodies the 12 bodies she could separate she could discover the chakras below right the feet and below she could go beyond the sahasrar all these experiences she had she had the entire occult knowledge to build a whole passes through the vital worlds for those who have just a little faith they could go after death through this passage she was not only an adept in buddhist yoga and this kind of occultism and kundalini yoga she had realized the yoga of the gita she was given a copy and she read it and uh, he already said is krishna is the divine within and she said i would go like a tornado and you know within few months it was done and um, she had already as you know translated some of these bhakti sutras so she was not just a yogini of ordinary stature she was a yogi yogeshwari before coming here and then now she has met shurabindo so you can imagine you know whatever was left she experiences that complete silence of the mind wherein she is sitting at the feet of shurabindo and the, all the constructions this completely get demolished so all this she has experienced so what happens after that now here she describes this experience very interestingly this is for us to remember and never lose hope you know we tend to very easily oh i had an exceptional state she says never you should never feel uh, bad when you lose an exceptional state it's part of the process and um, so there are a couple of prayers which i'll read This one is a prayer dated April eighteenth, nineteen fourteen, and one more. Let me take out so that I can read both of them. There is a prayer of April seventh and April eighteenth. So I'll quickly touch upon the prayer of April seventh. I won't read the full prayer. It's a long prayer, but toward the end, she's describing that I don't have courage. Now you see. mother is saying i don't have courage <laughs> but it also means she has taken all the difficulties of human nature at its utmost so what is this courage she is speaking of 
this not ordinary courage she as a child as 7 year old could pick up a bully and you know 13 year old bully and with the hand and throw him down this is one kind of courage there is another kind of courage which she says is about acknowledging your mistakes now you know this courage is still okay this brute courage but this courage where you have to acknowledge your mistake is very rare in human beings you are all the time busying you busy saying you are wrong you are wrong you are wrong and then the courage to rectify it and the supreme courage to master the ego she says that is the hour to be heroic heroism is not what we expect heroism is to annihilate the ego to put it at the service of the divine it needs a lot of courage so she speaks about this courage that i am i have laziness and i lack courage this is uh, i mean i must say Uh, as a child on behalf of mother the last thing that one can really ever talk about her is laziness <laughs> shobindu spoke about it about himself that i had i was lazy by nature because you know uh, when you are so brilliant amazingly brilliant so everything is so easy for you you know so yeah, one can understand but the divine mother she is constantly active and yet she is able to detect within her that little spot where she may say and now what is this laziness she is speaking of she knows there is has to be a new creation she has come mission for that all else she has realized but now she has to not only just imagine the difficulty of the pathfinder she knows there is a new creation now we talk about new creation supramental being new race new species all the path everything at that point of time she is born with this impulse that i have to build here a new creation what that new creation will be what it is nothing so there is a very different kind of effort so she says i have the conception but i am not willing to make the effort so she is using the word laziness for that okay so <laughs> and there is a beautiful line here oh lord i laugh a little sorrowfully at the idea that i could sometimes have a good opinion of my being of its efforts and their results when then shall i be a truly strong being entirely made of courage energy valor and calm perseverance so what is the answer he gets i'll read that then we'll go to the next prayer i seem now to hear thy voice never has thou been able to die integrally this one of my favorite passages a long time back just to put it on the door to remember what it means to die integrally you see how every moment the earth dies and is reborn we don't realize it every moment the body dies and is reborn of course because of the central will within and the constant change it doesn't register us it registers after some time but we are changing constantly all the cells of yesterday they begin to start the process of death and new cells are coming up so this integral we hold on to things and we don't want to let go of them so she says never have has thou been able to die integrally always something in thee has wished to know to see to understand see how what happens then you fix yourself on a moment of time you cut and you slice and see surrender completely learn how to disappear break the last dam that separates thee from me accomplish without reserve thy act of surrender 
So this is what she hears the voice telling her, accomplish this act of surrender, give yourself completely, without hesitation, without reserve. And if you can do it, then this last veil will be rent. Then she experiences the tearing of the last veil and then we come to the prayer which I was speaking of. Beautiful experiences which we have already read at different points of time where she uh, realizes all the, you know, the sense of separate eye, all that vanishes. So after this, one would feel that uh, what is left really, all that is needed is to call some disciples and start giving the teaching. But look here, this prayer of the mother of April 18th, 1914. How till the last moment, that's why in the mother Shurabindu says, you have to be vigilant till the last irrevocable transformation. You see this experience she is describing, going to describe, we will see it in Savitri in book 3, canto 1. So already Ashwapati has realized almost everything possible and more. <laughs> But for the supramental transformation, he has to do something else. He is experiencing the veiling. He says when it was there, all was beautiful. When it withdrew, everything was meaningless. That's how he experiences it. And his, its presence made the smallest seem divine. Its absence made the greatest actions dull. He experiences that. Then what does he do? Then lest a human cry disturb the truth from coming in. Like slippery grains... So what does he do? He tore desire up from its bleeding roots and offered to the gods the vacant place. Now this is a great act that he does. Every little trace has to go. Now this comes at a stage of evolution when you are just supramental transformation right into the outermost nature which is the most difficult part. So here she is saying yesterday evening the last veil was almost rent. Mark the words almost. With what perfection, rectitude as a thorough-going scientist she is describing. Nowhere in the entire spiritual literature, and I can vouch say for that, having read, including the Vedas, which are spiritual experiences, nowhere you will find such a detailed scientific way in which he has observed and put across the experience. Now mind you, she was not writing with, for people to read. Now we have access to this diary. So it's all the more, it was so authentic, genuine. She was not like, you know, people say, you know, I had this experience, I had that experience. She's not writing any of these experiences for anybody to see. It is because Shurabindo insisted that the first copy came out when? 1941. She was already in Pondicherry for 21 years or 20 years before it would have been approved and then to four-fifth of the book of prayers and meditations he tore away she said no not these and just some portion which will help people to understand the purpose is to teach us to help us move on the path so you can imagine with what perfection and observations he is writing the veil was almost rent the last stronghold of the blind and ignorant personality seemed to be on the point of yielding. For the first time I thought I understood what is true impersonal service. This uh, far cry for most of us still, you know, 
I am doing this, I am an instrument, I am a channel, I am this, I am that. So divine is okay if you are everything. No need of me in your life. <laughs> we can either be I or you. Prem Galiati Sakri Tame Dona Samahi. Even to say divine is doing everything. Now there also what is not said in subtle notes is in me and through me. Don't allow this whisper. Huh? Divine is doing everything, you know. What a wonderful channel I am, brackets. <laughs> so these are how these these are called subterfuges. If you read the mother, subterfuges which whisper below the threshold. You can't detect them. Unless you're very vigilant, they are subterfuges. And or even if you don't see or feel like that, somebody comes and says, Oh, it's so wonderful, you know, you did this work or something good you did through your hands. Now you're not seeing anything, but there is something which is happy, you know. This perfect perfection has to go to that extent. And how it has to be done is the whole yoga. It's not by the mind trying, saying, no, no, I'm not supposed to feel like that. It doesn't work like that. It's an inner sincerity in which you keep on offering, referring. It's only through constant remembrance. And especially at these moments, ma, 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 ma. <laughs> this is <laughs> so you can reach that point. So she speaks about I I thought I understood what is true impersonal service and the obstacle which separated me from the integral realization appeared to me very fragile. Integral realization is not just realizing God within, but in the mind, life, activities, body, will, heart, emotion in Entirety, totality, what the Gita speaks of as Samagram Maam. On the point of definitively disappearing. But the necessity of my outer duties tore me out of this beneficent and happy contemplation. And at the moment when I was obliged to return to the outer consciousness, the veil closed again and appears to me darker than ever. Why this fall into the inconscience of the night after so great a light? Most of us will not even regard it as a fall. <laughs> we'll regard it as our natural state. <laughs> what she is describing as a fall into the night is our natural state. To be preoccupied with outer world and material things. If we are not doing that, we feel we are not alive. But for the yogin, it is when all around is night, in that also he is awake. That is a sign of the yogin. So, but this is how she is describing that she is to come. Why? Because the consciousness comes to the surface. And once again, the veil is closed. O Lord, Lord, will thou not let me escape at last from the ignorance and be one with thee? Because here also the light has to be brought. That's why in this yoga, even in the most trivial activities, there is a beautiful prayer of her, I am sure some of us may have read, while arranging common objects. And she speaks about the Lord's presence while she is arranging common objects. Now that I have known and seen so well what must be the work upon the earth, shall I not be able to realize it? Am I then riveted to the ignorance and illusion? And when she is using the word ignorance and illusion, it is not in the sense we would use 
For us, it's all is ignorance and illusion, and we think it is knowledge. <laughs> we are as if trapped in double ignorance. We are ignorant of our ignorance, to put it this way. <laughs> um, but she has seen the sun. You know this experience when first time people have something similar. I don't know. I'm sure many of us would have had it. But when you come here. For the first time, a few times, you feel very beautiful, no? After a week or so, when you go back, suddenly it is like the same world, the same house, the same everything, the same city, but it's not the same. So you go into that, and it's like a fall. Now, if somebody says, "What's wrong?" and people will try to tell you, you know, all kinds of things, but you have to realize inside, yoga is everywhere. All that is true. But yet you have seen the sun. So while you have to bring it there, that is true. But it is not as simple as that because now you have seen the sun. Now your yardstick has suddenly shifted. When you had not seen the sun, it was something general. It's okay, you know, yes, we have to practice, remember, offer. But when you have had that contact inside and then the veil happens, it's a far more difficult thing to bear. It's, it's really like death. Honestly, if you have... Uh, if you have not only touched but realized the soul and then the wailing takes place, you really experience you are dead because you know that that is life. Now everything you are doing outwardly, even inwardly, but it's like you are on this side and it's, it's death because you know this is not life. Life begins from there. And when the veil is gone and again you touch it, then you take a nice deep breath, fill your lungs. So this is in at you know our chinna level. But at her level, it's even that little surface consciousness she doesn't want. Why? Why this night, after so great and pure a light, all my being is strained in an agonizing appeal. Oh Lord, take pity on me. So she is, what do you do when such a thing comes? Call her. Nothing else you can do. Call her, call her, call her. And then again the veil will be rent eventually. At some point of time. And then again you discover. So this is the process of the yoga where we go through several veilings. In this there are several uh, prayers to that effect. For example, there is another prayer on April 20th which I think we have already read, but uh, after I had hoped so much, after I had come to believe that my outer being was at last to become an instrument adapted to thy ends, after the hope had come of being delivered at last from this ego, the outer being's ego, so cumbersome and obscure, I feel as far from the goal as before, as ignorant, as egoistic, as I was before this great expectation. And once more the way rolls out interminable across the fields of inconscience. The sublime door is again closed and again I find myself on the threshold of the sanctuary without any power to enter. But I have learned to regard everything smilingly with a tranquil heart. What is important is never to enter into despair. Never to give in to despair. You know, there is a very beautiful 
writing of the mother where she speaks about um, uh, she's telling man that you who walk into the night gather the gems of the night pearls of the night because that is a passage and she says listen to a friend who has faced this ordeal and who has walked into the night the supreme discovery that's where toward the end she speaks about it only i ask this she says regard it as smile it's like lord you have put me here you have to put me out and then she see or bring the light here she says only i ask thee o my divine master not to let me commit errors even if the instrument is condemned again for a time to inconscience grant that it may faithfully and docilely let itself be guided by thy divine law this is the condition of the divine worker who has to be perfect in service shubhendra says there is a joy in the sword being kept by your side divine and the joy when it is in the battle the joy when it is broken and cast aside all these joys equal joys one has to experience i salute thee o lord with a profound and pure devotion oh be the sovereign master of all hearts so this we should always do prayer invocation calling upon her and complete trust however dense the night the veil will be rent again there is no night where she cannot reach however dense the inconscient and one single ray is enough you see in savitri that's what happens one ray and death is oh my god and it who could light a ray and that ray which we must always keep in our hearts is hope so hope is the ray which we must always keep light the flame of hope of course faith is perfect faith experience all they come later knowledge but even if faith is excluded for a while keep the hope that the lord will come she will come she will find a way i do not know the way out but she knows the way in. <laughs> and she will come so we'll read this prayer and stop with that april 18th 1914 yesterday evening the last veil was almost rent the last stronghold of the blind and ignorant personality seemed to be on the point of yielding it's the personality she says one of the illusions we have to get rid of is the sense of personality in the supramental creation there is an impersonal personality or a world personality if you want to put it this way it's not personality in the way we understand or define it personality actually means limits by the way <laughs> my personality you have limited yourself actually your personality you limited him also but this is an impersonal personality where basically the divine is manifesting in a certain way through the instrument impersonal personality is something which you can't define and fix whereas normally personalities oh this person so and so try doing it to a divine personality will just not succeed you cannot fix that is the problem with krishna <laughs> you don't know which slot he will come into he is in all slots and escapes it jab marzi comes into this then goes out goes into that because all slots he has occupied anyways isn't it shri krishna is a perfect example of an impersonal personality and of course we have shirobindo that's how when shirobindo describes this impersonal personality is a word from the gita essays on the gita 
And Purani Ji, when he met Shurabindo, he speaks of that. That his was an impersonal personality. So you don't know what would manifest at a given point of time. Anything could manifest under the divine impulsion. It's not fixed by the mind. Mind fixes. This is possible, this is not possible. This I shall do, this I don't do. All kinds of rules we make. But for an impersonal personality, it is that flow. And the obstacle which separated me from the integral realization appeared to me very fragile on the point of definitively disappearing. But the necessity of my outer duties tore me out of this beneficent and happy contemplation. Any work actually demands narrowing of consciousness. It implies by its very nature and the more the outer the field, the more you have to narrow out. You may be in a vast consciousness inside. But the moment you work, you have to enter into a narrow state. That's why this, you may abstract point of, not abstract, but conceptually you can say, yes, divine is beyond good and evil. Which is true. Beyond right and wrong. Which is true. You can enter a state when all these things fall away. But the moment you act, you have to make a choice. Now the choice will not be based upon your human idea of right and wrong. But the choice is still there. The moment you act, choice comes in. Because at any given point of time, there are several things. Inwardly you can contemplate. But when you act, you have to narrow down and concentrate and act upon one element. And at the moment when I was obliged to return to the outer consciousness, the veil closed again and appears to me darker than ever. Why this fall into the inconscience of the night after so great a light? Not ordinary light, so great a light. The light of lights. O Lord, Lord, will thou now let me escape at last from the ignorance and be one with thee? Now that I have known and seen so well what must be the work upon the earth, shall I not be able to realize it? Am I then riveted to the ignorance and illusion? So now we can understand when Sri says there is not a single difficulty which myself and the mother has not faced. And at one place he says, I have had to have my sadhana was interrupted hundreds of times over one small difficulty. Shubindu's words, hundreds of times, not just once, twice. This is the process. It's not like now, you know, many people have this illusion, now that I have joined the ashram or Shubindu society card I have got or I have started, you know, now I am a devotee. Whoever gave that brand, I don't know. Brand devotee. So from today onwards, I am a Siddha. No, sir. You are in the kindergarten right now and it is good to believe always that you are in kindergarten. You are safe. <laughs> the moment you start feeling... Because you, you see, kindergarten, the advantage is you are always keen to learn. And is not there something always more in the infinite? Is there an end to knowledge? Is there an end to love? Is there an end to will? So it's so beautiful to, you know, live in that consciousness of the eternal child. Who has everything to grow. A beautiful state. And it's the state of being of being perfectly young and like a child at the same time. Why? Why this night after so great and pure a light? All my being is strained in an agonizing appeal. O Lord, take pity on me. So this need to constantly progress. 
and be you know sincere about even the slightest veil i just remember a small little anecdote personal anecdote something had happened there is a whole background that's not important so there were these four guys and you know i was there and i just quoted you know but isn't shurbindo has said this oh i have read all shurbindo so i don't know i i got a little you know <laughs> it should not yak but that moment what came what came out i said okay so now practice it <laughs> i have read all this i said okay now practice it so you know we have to um, understand that there is no end and where is the end of knowledge where is the end of practice where is the end of perfection so this uh, truth that one has to keep on moving forward is frightening to some because we all want okay what is the goal end point we don't like you know the goal post shifts <laughs> divine is very smart at doing it <laughs> shifting the goal post you feel i'm going to end suddenly will goal to kahi aur hai you know that story you know buddha catch me catch me if you can so you go with okay you're panting and now again it has shifted but look at it like like this that you started with all these players and the goal post is shifting and you are going further and further you suddenly discover at one point of time there is no player nothing it's just me and the lord because he kept shifting the goal posts and then it's delight you rush into his arms rather you don't even have to rush <laughs> he has drawn you till that point so one of the beautiful things about this yoga some people find it very frightening some people want a clear cut end by definition because mind wants like that but where is the end of the infinite can there ever be an end of the unfolding of the infinite and to some others this is very enthusing because it means i'll be forever young because there is always something more to do something more to realize something more to manifest something more to serve some other way so it is the yoga of the infinite which passes through all these multiple landscapes and through all this there is one thing which goes constant and it is the lord remembering the mother remembering the mother remembering the mother surrendering every state to her with an aspiration to come there also to bring there also the light the peace even in the tumults of the senses that's how shubindu puts it he comes unseen into our darker parts so that they are veiled by the darkness he may do his work even in the tumult of the senses he comes and why he says if this were not so then the human soul will just leave and abandon the work of transformation of earth so that's why in this yoga of transformation one has to go through all these states otherwise you realize a part which is beautiful and leave everything so when we go into these states that means the divine is telling us hold on hold on there is something yet to be done you have missed out so you go there and say now you are happy lord yeah for a moment you can relax <laughs> then after some time here also and the finger that shows us those spots is also the finger that brings light and peace namaste